launch this new series called Divine Direction. And uh, let me just set up the series very quickly like this, that we're going to be really kind of grappling with a question for the next several weeks. Here's the basic question. How do I make sure that my day-to-day living of my life, that the trajectory of that living actually lines up with what God intends for my life? How do I figure out uh, how to get my life just lined up with God's will? And to that end, watch this video. Okay. So heads I propose to her, tells I don't. Order the buckler and shield and prepare for battle. <laughs> Come on, let's give God a hand. Let's give God a hand praise. That's a bit humorous, but it makes the point, and many of us have actually tried a variety of these things. The basic question is, how do I figure out what God is saying. I, I, I desperately want my life to line up with God's will this year. How do I figure that out? So we want to wrestle with that question. Here's what I believe to be true. And that is that regardless of your, what kind of job you have, what kind of money you make, regardless of your uh, status, that at the end of the day, if you live a life, not perfectly, but, but faithfully, a life that pursues God's will worked out in your living. That life, your life, at the end of it, and while you're going through it, will be deeply, deeply meaningful. And that the impact of your life will long outlive your time on this planet. That is just what I believe. And so we're going to spend the next several weeks trying to figure out you know, how, do we, how, do we, how do we let God continue to guide us. So uh, open your Bibles if you have them. We're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11. As a matter of fact, this whole chapter is about divine direction as the writer takes us from one life to the next, from one set of lives to the next. And the whole chapter is about showing how God has directed God's affairs through the lives of a variety of people in the nation of Israel. That's the whole chapter. We're going to start off. We're going to focus our attention on Moses' life and verses 23 through 27. Over the course of the next several weeks, we're just going to read one verse today. So if you're able to stand, would you please just stand on the reading of God's word? All right. Everybody shout, by faith. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw, shout, they saw. They saw he was no ordinary child. They were not afraid of the king's edict. Shout amen. Please be seated. Lord, take this time of teaching and preaching. Just pierce our thinking, would you? clarify our uh, 
our sense of how to connect more with you as we live our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. A number of years ago, I told my daughter, I said, if you learn to read, there's almost no limits to where you can go and to what you get to do through the process of reading. And she took me at my word, and today she is a ferocious reader that when she's not doing homework, I can almost assure you you're going to find her somewhere reading some book. As a matter of fact, when we visited with her teacher, last parent teacher day, teachers had, they were excited about her performance in class. One of the things they said was, though, if Lauren, if it's recess time and we don't see Lauren, one teacher said, basically all she needs to do is to go, there's a closet in her, in her, in her room and she opens the closet and nine out of ten times Lauren is sitting in the closet reading a book. Lauren loves to read just that much. And over the years, from time to time, as she reads various books, the kind of books that really excite her often falls into this category. It's the book that when she starts to read it, and she shares this with us afterwards, she starts to read, she's totally convinced <clears throat> that she knows exactly where it's going to end up. But somewhere between the first page and the last page, as she continues to read, she is shocked and stunned, if you will, by some surprising twists that take place in the plot. And by the time she gets to the end of the book, she is totally astonished at how the ending and the meaning of the book is radically different than what she thought it would be when she started off. Now, this is a good analogy as we start drilling down on how to let God divinely direct our lives. The first thing that we notice when we read the passage that I just read before you and work through the next five verses is that it is a vignette or it is a summary of the story of Moses' life. Everybody shout story. And whether you know it or not, your life is an unfolding story. Now, you may not recognize that because you're actually living your life. You're in the middle of living your life, but I'm here to tell you that at the end of your life, somebody's going to be able to tell the story of your life. Now, here's some really good news because some of us may be thinking, well, from birth to now, you know, my life has got all kinds of stuff going on. There's a little messiness. It's, com com it's complex. It's challenging. I have done most of the things I wanted to do, this and that, and so forth and so on. Here's the big ideal for today. Here's the big ideal. That my life and your life is an unfinished story. And the ending and meaning of it is yet to be determined. And you and God get to participate Figuring out what that is. A woman by the name of Maria Robinson said this. Essentially, this is a great quote from her. She says, nobody can go back and start a new beginning. But anyone can start today and make a new ending. I want to tell the person next to you, you can make a new ending. Come on, you can make a new ending. 
And God wants to make that new ending with you through the process of guiding your life. Therefore, it's important to understand that all of us are in the midst of an unfinished story. Now, the second thing to notice as we look at Moses' life is I want to just help you to pay attention to what I want to call the surprising twist in your story, in my story, in Moses' story. Here's Moses' story. And by the way, as your homework, I encourage you to read all of chapter 11 of Hebrews and the first two chapters of Exodus. Just over the course of the week, it's easy reading, and our message and teaching will be grounded there. Here's Moses' story. Moses is born at a time when his family and his nation are slaves in Egypt. They've been slaves for 400 years. In addition to that, uh, the Pharaoh has pronounced an edict, a law, that for a particular season of time to control the population of the Jewish people, that every male child to be born is to be eliminated. It is in this time that Moses is born. What's fascinating about Moses' life is that at the very beginning, we assume that we kind of know how it's going to end, how the story is going to end, that he's going to be born and he probably is going to be killed as a boy. If he's not eliminated, well, certainly he's going to grow up and be a slave. Because after all, his family and his family, family and his family, family, families have all been slaves. Everybody shout, surprise, surprise. As the story of Moses unfolds, we find some surprising twists in the plot. And so the first thing that we see is, is how it begins. The verse begins like this. By faith. Shout by faith. By faith, his parents recognized there was something unusually different and that they made a set of decisions. And the first decision they made was that we're not going to eliminate him, that we're going to hide him for three months. And then after they could hide him no longer, I can see just, you know, uh, it, it doesn't say it in the text, but my sense is they both were a part of the priestly tribe, Levite. So I'm sure that they were prayerful about, okay, God, what do we do next? And somehow they got a nudging uh, to say, well, the option is, the choice is, and they create a box, a basket, put him in the basket. The, his older sister takes him to the Nile River floats him up the Nile River among some reeds. Shout, surprise, surprise. At, that, at the very right time, Pharaoh's daughter is coming down the beach of the Nile River and she's coming to, to bathe and she looks and she sees this basket over there and she gives order to her attendant. They go and get the basket, Exodus 2, verse 5 and 6. And they bring the basket and she opens it up and she sees this boy there, this little baby boy, and she recognizes that he's a Hebrew boy. We think we know how this story is going to end. We assume she's Pharaoh's daughter. She's going to order that he be eliminated. But something happens in her heart. Actually, the text there says that she actually felt sorry for him and decided to take him and raise him as her own son. Can you say surprise, surprise? Surprise, surprise. Unexpected twists in the plot. Wow. Surprise, surprise. 
And then she says to the little, says, look, the sister, Moses' sister, is watching all this. And when she sees that, she says, hey, excuse me, do you need a, a lady who can nurse that child? I know a Hebrew woman who can nurse that, that child. And you want me to go get her? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, please go get her because I need somebody who can nurse her. And so Moses' sister runs back home, gets Moses' mother. And bring Moses' mother to Pharaoh's house, and Moses' mother get to nurse her own child. Can you say surprise, surprise? Now notice the verse starts with these words, by faith. Shout, by faith. A, a, a quicker translation of that is, the way I'd like to translate that is, uh, by an uncommon trust in God. Moses' parents made the decisions that they made. Or you might translate it, I would translate it, with an incomplete trust in God. Shout incomplete. Incomplete. Here's my point. You don't need to know everything about God in order to trust God. So with an incomplete trust in God, Moses' parents decided to make some decisions. Now, watch what the text says. Moses' parents... By faith, after he had been born, hid him for three months because they saw. Shout, they saw. In other words, their posture of faith shaped the lens through which they looked at life. So if you want to be able to cooperate with what God is doing in your story, you have to start with a posture of faith. You have to essentially believe, you have to at least believe that God exists, and you got to believe that God wants to be active in your life. Actually, Hebrews chapter 11, the same chapter where in verse 6 says that it's impossible to please God, really to really engage with God uh, uh, without this notion of trust. You have to believe that God is, and you have to believe that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. If you want to be able to cooperate with what God is doing in your story, you have to at least have a little faith. Shout a little faith. Jesus says faith size of an see. You don't have to understand everything. But you have to conclude, I know God exists and I believe I'm not an accident and that God wants to work in my life. As a matter of fact, I argue with you this. I argue this point. Whether you recognize it or not, God is already at work in your life. Okay, how bad you think you are, how irreligious you think you are. If you're sitting here listening to me, it's because God is already at work in your life. Shout by faith. And here's what we're doing. Here's what we're talking about. Here's what I want you to see. Moses' parents looked at who he was through the lens of faith. The text says they concluded that he was no ordinary child. In other words, they saw the hand of God at work in the life of their child. And they wanted to make sure that they worked in a way to line up with the hand of God. Now, let me just throw this as an aside point. How would it change your parenting if you, if you looked at your child, your children, through the eyes of faith and, and, and you could recognize, you could look for where the hand of God was at work in the life of your children. And you want to move forward. Ron and I are wrestling with that with Lauren. We've concluded the girl loves to read. 
Maybe that's the hand of God. Now we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we move that forward in the next direction. He said, whether you look at life through eyes of trust in God or not makes all the difference. All right, let me illustrate. Many of you have heard my story. There's two ways I could tell my story. I could tell my story as a by faith story. Or I could tell my story as a kind of by luck story. Let me choose the latter. I was a fourth child of, born into a family of four children. At six months of age, broke out in photographic arrest, ended up in the emergency room on a table. The trauma of it all caused my heart to stop beating, but I got lucky. Happened to have the right doctor in the right place. He knew what to do. I'm here to talk to you about it today. I'm going to tell the story that I stayed in the hospital for a year, and after I got out of the hospital after a year, my parents had divorced. My mother was deathly ill. She had to place her four children with different people. Three were easily taken. Nobody wanted me. She was about to fill out the papers to put me in an orphanage. And then randomly, just, I just got lucky. My grand aunt heard about it in Louisiana, said, if you can get him to me, I'll keep him. I could go on and tell the story that when I got to be six years old, my mother got on her feet. She gathered all her kids. She gathered up three girls, and she was coming to get me, and I was sent to uh, Abilene, Texas, where she was going to rendezvous with my grandmother who lived there, and they were going to hand me off to her mother, my mother. And my biological mother came to Abilene, Texas, intent, ready to get me, but I guess it was just love. She decided that I would be better off with my grand-aunt, but there's no real explanation. I don't want to explain it. You know, she had her other kids, but she decided that I would be better off with my grand-aunt. And so she left me with my grand-aunt. And that, that, that very kind of, that random and chance decision is what changed the trajectory of my life. And that's kind of how I got here on the stage today. I, I could explain to you my story as a by luck story. I could explain to you my story as a story where God is absent and it's just kind of random chance that things are happening the way that they happen. I just kind of showed up the way I am. Or I could explain my story as a kind of what if story, a kind of story where there's bitterness and anger because I'm thinking about what if I hadn't been scarred? What if I hadn't been adopted? What if, what if, what if? Come back next week. I'm going to talk about that. Tell the person next to you, come back next week. Come back next week. But if you know anything about me, you know that I just don't believe that I'm a by luck story. You know that I believe that I'm a by faith. I'm telling you what I believe. You don't have to believe it, but I believe that I'm here because of what God has done in my life. Here, I, I, I believe, I believe that, that that little baby that was lying on that emergency room table, it wasn't luck. It was because God had a purpose and a plan for that little kid named Herman Hamilton. And long before I knew who Jesus was, he knew who I would become. Come on. And he blessed the doctor to bless me. And what I believe is that, is that a year after being in a hospital and, and being about to go into foster 
home. God said, no, I don't want him to go into the foster system. I've got a different path for his life. And he stirred in the heart of my grand aunt. And she said, if I can get him, I'll, if you send him to me, I'll keep him. I think that was, I think that was a God thing, y'all. I, I believe that when my mother came at the age, when I was six, to pick me up, that it was a God thing, just like in the text where Pharaoh's daughter saw Moses. There's no explanation for why she felt sorry. I think it was a God thing. Come on now. And, 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 and it was a God thing that caused my biological mother to conclude that, that, my, that I would be better off with my grand aunt and that my grand aunt deserved to have the gift of a child because my grand aunt had been praying for a child for years and thought that God wouldn't answer the prayer. And I just believe it was a God thing, come on now, that put me in the home of a woman who had been praying for a prayer and thought that God had forgotten about her. But God answered her prayer and fulfilled my destiny at the same time. That's a God thing. It's a God thing. It was a God thing when in the 10th grade, my life was firing out of control in a boy's bathroom. By then, I knew who Jesus was. By then, I knew that God was able to do the unimaginable. And I fell on my knees and said, Lord, I need you to do three things as I'm flunking out of school. I want to be on the stage with honest students. I want to graduate and go to college. And I want my grand aunt and uncle to know that they haven't wasted their life. And I believe it was a God thing that, that's, that, that upon graduation, all three of those prayers were answered. Now, I want you to notice, in the God thing, in each of those moments, there was a surprising twist to the plot of Herman's story. See, I was dying, a surprising twist to the plot. I was headed to foster care, and to the foster care, a surprising twist to the plot. I was on my way, flunking out of school, and it is seemingly destined to go down a horrendous, destructive road, but a surprising twist to the plot. Notice the surprising twist to the plot in Moses' story. I, I can just imagine the daughter, uh, Moses' sister, having watched what happened. I can see her running Back to tell her mama, she runs in the house out of breath. Mama, mama, you'll never guess what happened. And the mother looks at her with a gleam in her eye because mom knows she's been praying. Come on now. And she just didn't know how God was going to work, but she believed that God was going to move. Come on. And so she's waiting to hear what God has done. And the daughter said, you will never believe it. Pharaoh's daughter came, picked up the basket, found the baby in there. I was so afraid. I thought she was going to have him killed. And, but, but. But, but, but unexplainably, sound unexplainably. Come on, come on, come on, come on. In other words, I don't have words to explain it. I, I don't have a logic to explain it. But this Pharaoh, daughter of, 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 of an Egyptian Pharaoh, come on, took him to be her own child. And I can see the mama say, that's my God. That's my God. And she says, mama, mama, you'll never guess what happened after that. Talk, child, talk. I told her I was there. I said, excuse me, excuse me. I said, don't you need somebody to nurse this child who's already given birth? And, and, and she said, yes. And I said, I know just the woman. And, and she's given me permission. You can come nurse the child. 
Shout hallelujah. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Don't you see? And I can see the mama say, that's my God. That's my God. I didn't know how it's going to work out, she said. I just acted in, by faith. By faith. So part of what I'm trying to get you to see is that God has already been active in your life. I don't care who you are. I don't care how unspiritual you are. I don't care. I don't care if you just kind of accidentally from your own perspective, you know, quote unquote, by luck showed up here today. Uh, that somebody sent you the video. You're just kind of checking it out because, you know, you, you want a date. So you told her I'll watch the video if you go out with me. I, 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 I'm just here to tell you that God works through strange circumstances to get our attention. And he wants you to know, baby, I've been working in your life all along the way. And what he's saying to you is, I want you to look at the unexpected twist in the plots of your story. And you'll find evidence that I've been there. You know, you should have been killed in a car accident, but you weren't. The, 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 the person that you married under normal circumstances would have overlooked you, but he or she, she didn't. You had a sickness. You were in a hospital. And the doctors didn't know what they were going to do. But, but you're here. See, the, the unexplained twist in your plot of your story. You were strung out on drugs and you had given up on life. But somehow you've been delivered and you're in a new place in your life. Come on now. The unexplained twist in the plot of your story. Can somebody say, that's God, that's God, that's God. So the first thing you got to do is put on the lens of faith so you can see God at work. So you can begin to expect him to be at work. So you can begin to cooperate with him as he works. All right, now let me hasten to bring this beginning message to a close. We're making two final points here. Here's the point I want to make. Listen. I'm just saying the same thing a different way a couple of times. I'm just giving you different ways to access the point I'm trying to get. So, divine direction usually occurs in the place. I call it surprise turns in the plot. Here's another way of saying it. It usually occurs in the place where God's, where God's will, God's purposes, or God's wisdom intersects with our story. Somebody shout, how does that look? Shout, how does that look? Okay, I've given you some examples already, but I'm going to give you another fairly dramatic example. And, and, and I'm going to set it up like this. Come on, brothers, with the quote. Get ready. Let me set it up. There's two things I want you to get. Here is a theological insight that will help a lot of us who are struggling to believe that if we get this insight, it'll open us up to see God's direction. Some of us believe that God either has to be in control of everything, shout control of everything, or God is in control of nothing, shout in control of nothing. In other words, God is either control of everything. That means all the evil and the bad and all that stuff that happens, he must be in control of it and I don't understand why he would do this to my life. Or 
He's in control of nothing. He has no power, no control over anything. That's why all this stuff has happened in my life. So it's hard for me to believe what you're saying. He's either all controlling or not controlling. See, there's a difference between being all powerful and all controlling. Did you hear what I said? No, let me say it again because you might have missed it. There's a difference between being all powerful, I could control you, and all controlling. I think I'm going to create some space for freedom. For you to make your own decisions and out of that space of freedom comes innovation. Out of that space of freedom comes creativity. Out of that space of freedom comes light and darkness and good and evil. Out of that space of freedom and this, this ability of God to say, I'm going to allow that freedom and I'm going to still, if you will cooperate with me, I'm going to show up in it. All right, let me illustrate. This is the quilt. As you can see, uh, Jamie, my senior assistant, has a son by the name of Freddie Gaines Jr. Freddie this year, uh, his collegiate football team ended the season ranking number two in the nation. I want to celebrate that. That's pretty awesome. And he wasn't just on the bench. He was one of the star players on the team. But if that gets you excited, this is going to really get you excited. Not only was he a star player on the team, but in his books, he ended up with a 3.8 GPA. I want the young people to hear that, that Freddie understood that he shouldn't be choosing between one or the other. He really needed to do both. He needed to be a star on the field and a star in the classroom, y'all. Come on now. You can do both with God's help, right? Shout, you can do both with God's help. This quilt really reflects his middle school years. When he got into the eighth grade, the end of his middle school, Jamie said she wanted to do something that would give him a gift that would be special. So she looked through the house and she got all his T-shirts. These are different T-shirts that he wore throughout his middle school years. And the different T-shirts reflect different aspects of his life, different experiences in his life. Uh, 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 for here, this, this, this T-shirt he wore at a math competition. This T-shirt he wore at a history competition. This T-shirt he wore as he was participating in middle school football. This T-shirt uh, uh, here that he wore when he was uh, in a musical, Fiddler on the Roof. This T-shirt he wore when he was in a, another musical. Uh, uh, this T-shirt belonged to his uncle who died really early. He loved his uncle, so that T-shirt there, and, and there's a T-shirt there about that. This T-shirt is uh, he wore when he was in vacation Bible school and, and learning about who Jesus was. Uh, and this T-shirt he wore when he was again in another vacation Bible school. And you get the point. And so Jamie got all these T-shirts and she says, I got an idea. She says, I'm going to make a quilt. But Jamie started to try to make the quilt and she realized, you know, I'm not a good quilt man. I, don't, I'm, I just got a lot of raggedy T-shirts here. <laughs> she said, I need to find a master quilt maker. And so she called on one of our partner members, Sandy Adger, who's known for making quilts. And so Sandy volunteers in her office. She said, Sandy, I, she told Sandy, I got these T-shirts. Do you think you could turn it into a quilt? And Sandy said, oh, just bring the T-shirts. Just bring all the rags. Just bring them all to me just like they are. 
I'll take care of it. And so Sandy got all this here, got them all put together. And she sat down in her sewing machine, you know, those sewing machines that has that thing there. And, and, and she lined them up and she started sewing. Come on now. And she, and she started sewing the threads. And, and as she sewed, she began to knit these pieces of, of, of Freddie's life together. And, 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 and listen, you cannot see the thread. Can you see the thread? You can't see the thread, but you see the totality of the picture. And it reminds me when Paul says that, that God causes all things to work together for the good, for those who love God. In other words, as things are happening in our lives, God is involved knitting it together, and we can't see the threads. Come on now. But at the end of the day, we can see the product. Somebody say amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Give God a hand praise. Take that down. And if you got to examine this quilt, you would see that Sandy had in various places with the thread she sewed into the quilt love she, she wrote that out peace but when you're looking at it at a distance you can't see it because the thread blends in with the material I just want you to know that at a distance, you may not be able to see it. But if you get close enough and look at the surprising twists in the plots of your life, you'll see that God has sown into the events of your life. I love you. He's sown, uh, uh, there's peace in me. He's sown, I'm working for your good. He has just sown. He's left his fingerprints all over your saying all you have to do is acknowledge me and I'll just start directing. Alright. Here's this final piece here. I'm going to come. I'm going to say the same thing. I'm just going to say it a different way because I want you to get it. I want you to get it. I want you to get it. Most of us think that God has to be all controlling. Uh, he's no con not controlling. And here's what I want you to know. That oftentimes you will find God's divine direction, listen to me, at the intersection between decisions. Shout decisions. Decisions. And I want to argue not just your big decision, your small decision. Notice decisions that are in this text that by faith, because of their trust in God, Moses' parents made a set of decisions. We're not going to kill him. We know that's going to risk our lives, but we're not going to be so afraid of the king that we might miss what God is doing in our lives. Uh, we're going to put him in a basket. We're going to somehow trust God. They made some small decisions, and as they made decisions, God made decisions in relation to the decisions they made, and right in the middle at the intersection. Tell the person next to you, don't be afraid to make good decisions. Tell somebody, don't be afraid to make faith-filled decisions. Faith-filled. Not to kill him, that was a faith-filled decision. To put him in a basket and trust God, that was a faith-filled decision. All right. I, I want you to get this. Y'all know I love some Steph Curry. Don't y'all know that? I know they played yesterday. Please.
Do not tell me how the game ended. I have not seen it. I was prepping for y'all this morning. And so, I mean, uh, all day yesterday so I could deal with y'all teachers this morning. So I've got it recorded. So don't tell me nothing. I'm going to tell your neighbor, don't tell him anything. Don't tell him anything. But if Steph Curry was here, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. If Steph Curry was here and you would say, Steph, explain to me. Your team is 31, 32, and 9. You're the best record in the NBA. You're you're the best shooter out there. And and you always just look like you you know you're going to get somewhere between 25 and 35 points. Explain that to me. Have you studied the team so well that you know what they're going to do? If Steph was here, he would say no. I'm talking about not being all controlling. He would say, he would say, no, 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 no. He says, he says, he says, I just take what the defense gives me. Come on, come on. Are you listening? Yeah, yeah. Just, you can say, I'm listening. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you mean, Steph? Well, Steph says, I don't really know how they're going to play me. They play me different. Each team plays me different, and they change up on me. And I don't know how they're going to play me. And so I've I, 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 I practiced all these shots. So what, what I've decided to do is that I'll just let them make whatever decision they want to make, and then I'm going to make a decision to respond to them. Come on. And if they close down the lane, they're going to leave the three-point line open, and I'm going to work over on the three-point line. Come on. Uh, 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 if they keep switching on me, come on. Even though I got bad ankles, I still know that I'm still the best player on the floor. So if they keep switching on me and let a tall guy get on me I'm going to break his ankle and keep doing my stuff come on if they close if they if they run me off the three point line I'm going to start going in and finishing around the rim and, and if I can't finish come on I'm going to get my foul and I'm going to handle it from the free throw line till I get my shot going I just respond to what the defense gives me See, I let them make their decisions and then I respond because I've got confidence that my ability is of such that at the end of the day, in relationship to the decisions they make, I'm going to still come out a winner. Tell somebody with Jesus, I'm going to still come out with a winner. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's how God has shown us in Jesus. He operates. He doesn't control everything. That's why evil has happened. That's why there's darkness. He doesn't control everything. But God has taught us in Jesus Christ, we celebrated in communion, that he just knows how to take what the defense gives him. He knows how to respond to what the enemy does. He knows how to handle the broken parts of your life. Come on now. Life gave him a cross, and he turned it into an instrument of forgiveness. Life gave him death, and he made a gateway into eternity. He knows how to handle it, y'all. Come on now. And when you invite him into your life, maybe you come out of generations of divorce, but if you invite him to engage you, he'll take you from unloving to experiencing the love of your life. I'll tell you, he knows how to respond. Maybe you were in a foster care system, but if you let Jesus handle your life, come on, he'll lift you from the foster care system and transform you into the best parent you could have ever imagined. He knows how to respond to what the defense gives him. That's what makes him. Listen, if an imperfect Steph Curry 
imperfect ankles can work his will most of the time. What do you think about a profoundly incredible Jesus Christ? Here's where I'm going to end. Good place to end. Moses was supposed to be a slave, according to statistics. But he didn't just, by cooperating with God, change how his story ended. He actually changed how the story of his family ended. By the time it was all over, he grew up not as a slave, but as a liberated kid in Pharaoh's house. He learned he didn't grow up uneducated. He grew up being educated with Pharaoh's children. He, 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 he learned the mastery of government and military art and all of those things. And, and then when God created another unexpected twist, he ended up coming back to Egypt as God's mouthpiece saying, let my people go. And all those gifts at the end of his story, he didn't just change the ending of his story. He's living as a liberator, but he changed the end of his family story. They are living not as slaves. I just want you to know, some of y'all, you got your own slave stuff going on. You got generations of addiction and poverty and jail stuff of super being possessed by your possessions and so you're all about the money and you're not nurturing your families. You got all the generation stuff. But if you let Jesus in your life, one decision at a time, he'll break the cycle and you can be the first in your family to believe. You can be the first in your family to go to school. You can be the first in your family to break the cycle of divorce. You can be the first in your family. Tell your neighbor, you can be the first. You can be the first with divine direction. So, so where do I start? Everybody shall start. Here's why I'm going to suggest that you start. Remember, his parents got there because of the decisions that they made. So I want you to look at every area of your life. Take the next 24 hours. Your marriage, your finances, your health. Just look at every area of your life. Where do you sense God saying, if you will do this one thing? Shout one thing. Not 10, not 20, not three. Shout one thing. If you would do this one thing, it would glorify me and it would help me to to write, to, to be more active in the writing of your story. What is that one thing? In your finances, in your shopping. Now, I want you to figure it out now. I want you to just commit that you're going to make the search. You're going to think about it. And that 24 hours from now, that's when I want you to make your decision of your one thing. And that's the place that you're going to open up your life. So tomorrow, you're not going to go and wear a sign. I'm super spiritual. You're not going to wear that sign. You're just going to turn over. You're just going to move in the direction you feel that God is leading you with one small thing that you're going to turn into a discipline in 2018. Let's see what God will do. Amen. Give God a hand praise. Thank you so much.